Okay, welcome into the Golf Preview Podcast and RJ Bell's Dream Preview for Memorial Week at Jack's Place, the great Mirfield Village in Ohio. My name is Will Doctor, alongside James Ledbetter. Nice to have you aboard on a Tuesday afternoon as we bring you the latest as far as PGA Tour handicapping is concerned. Led, as far as the week at uh, at, at uh, Colonial was concerned, uh, how, how did things go? We hit Sam Burns 30 to 1. Absolutely love that. Um, thank God we did, given the rough week I had besides that, literally lost every other bet. But uh, yeah, let's just focus on the Sam Burns 30 to 1 bet. Um, Doc, we kind of talked about it. He had the, you know, he had a win earlier in the year at early in the season at Sanderson. Then he won at Innisbrook. Uh, I think getting a guy who's already won twice uh, in the 30s, um, we just had to pretty much uh, go for that. Obviously, the way he won coming back from a seven-shot deficit wasn't exactly the way we drew it up, but yeah, it got the job done. He is now uh, iced two golf tournaments with putts over 30 feet when you, uh, you know, you go obviously the one at Colonial um, on Sunday, and then uh, at Innisbrook, he also, uh, you know, uh, beat Davis Riley there on the, on the playoff hole with that long putt from off the green. So yeah, that that's his fourth tour win now, and uh, the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, I think I was reading something that uh, him and Scheffler combined have won seven tournaments total uh, this year. But um, mm. it, it's it's insane to think about. But yeah, speaking of Davis Riley, he carried me through uh, through last week. Uh, had his top ten at plus four hundred, and then hit his matchup over McNeely at, at plus one hundred. And then uh, I had Finau hit over Kevin Na. But other than that. Um, you know, Harold Varner on Sunday. I mean, Led, I thought this guy was going to do it. I, I thought he was going to, um, you know, finally win stateside and, and then goes eight over in his last 10 holes. And uh, not only blew any chance of him winning away, but it also lit that top 20 ticket hat on fire. Um, it was, it was, it was brutal. Well, you shot 45 on the back nine. I saw it was like maybe an ode to Michael Jordan wearing 45. Yeah, uh, he, <laughs> in his, he, he uh, went in his from. Spin. He went from like eight under to even par for the tournament in like an hour. Well, I think, it, yeah, well, he was tied with lead, wasn't he? And yeah. then he finished at two under whatever. So, yeah, that was probably a, I don't know what runner up would be, but that was definitely, you know, a million dollar back nine, 45 <laughs> yeah. loss yeah. there. So um, you'd think at some point he'd get over the hump, but he's really, it's starting to become a bit of a trend, him not being able to close out these tournaments. Now, granted, who knows if he would have won in terms of the fact that we had, you know, we had a five-way tie for the lead at one point. But, uh, yeah, he took himself out of it uh, pretty quickly. But, Doc, one more thing I want to touch on. I forgot. I, I kind of, you know, a lot of times – I didn't end up betting it, but a lot of times when these tournaments go into playoffs, you can actually get some decent value on the, you know, the worst player, right? So – I saw that Scotty Scheffler was like minus 150 when they were going to this playoff and Sam Burns was plus 100. And that's just ridiculous given the fact that, uh, you know, Sam Burns shot, you know, five under to the final round to get into uh, that playoff. And I think a lot of times people overreact to, you know, Scotty Scheffler is granted the number one player in the world, but on a one hole sudden death playoff, he should never be minus 150. So, Keep an eye, you know, whenever these tournaments go into playoffs, if you've got a feeling about a guy, you can definitely find some value um, at some times for sure. Yeah, and I, I feel like this uh, this stretch going from Southern Hills to Colonial, 
to Memorial and then to Brookline next week. It's It's got to be one of the best stretches of the season. It's almost so many good tournaments in a row that, you know, even the fact that we're going to be missing, you know, Scotty Scheffler and Justin Thomas playing this week is a little bit of a, uh, not a surprise given the way the schedule has worked out, but I'm sure, you know, Jack's not too happy given it's probably, I'd say, you know, besides a major, a top three event uh, that the guys will play all year. So, you know, a lot of guys are going to be playing that Canadian Open, right? That's a, you know, the big event in terms of it's a, it's a national championship, I guess. But um, yeah, most guys are uh, looking to peak for the U.S. Open in two weeks. But yeah, getting into next week, um, let's just start with the field and a little bit of the course prep. The field is stacked. Uh, besides Scotty and JT not playing, we pretty much got everyone. Bryson is in the field as of now. We will uh, we'll keep you posted on Twitter if he does the late uh, the late WD. Yeah, he talked uh, he talked about an hour ago, and uh, I, you know it sounded like he's going to play all four rounds. He kind of went from talking about uh, his goal of just making the cut to saying that you know, he could definitely be in contention come Sunday. So he's kind of all over the place uh, per usual. And uh, his, his comments were interesting today. A lot of it had to do with gaining like a, a fresh perspective off the golf course. So yeah, we'll, we'll uh, not, nothing for Bryson um, as far as betting is concerned this week. I, I can't believe if you still, if you look at his hand led, I mean, there's still this this big scar down the middle. I mean, yeah. his, his ball, his ball speed is reaching 190. Uh, yeah, he said he, coming he, off coming off an injury is one thing. I don't know if I love hand injury. The other thing I noticed too, it seems like ninety nine percent of the videos that he posts are him hitting into a net with like music playing in front of his garage with his Bentley parked next to him. Not that there's any problem with any aspect of that, but Doc, as you know, going bringing it from the range to the golf course is always a, a different animal, and I think. The fact that this place is pretty wide open uh, is a nice is a nice thing for Bryson in the sense that um, you know he is a former champion here. Uh, I've seen him hundred to one in some places, which seems like okay, maybe a player of his caliber. Like, is it worth a flyer? But um, this is also a golf course that you need to be very sharp with your second shots. And when Bryson did win here uh, a couple years ago that was like pre bulk when he was more of a precision player. So it'll be interesting to see how his game starts to, you know, suit up here just in terms of the sense that uh, even though it is wide off the fairway, you can't just hit it 50 yards offline and be fine. Right. You'll be uh, in the houses like Bubba was a couple years ago uh, when he was in contention on that. I think it was like a 15th hole par five. They like, they had the blimp cam of him hitting it in someone's backyard. So even though it's decently forgiving off the tee, uh, you know, there's out of bounds and there's, uh, there's, you know, there's stuff out there, uh, in terms of the course, some of the fastest greens on tour, absolutely lush as it gets. Um, it's a great TV viewing golf event. Uh, if you do have PJ tour live, make sure to fire it up on Thursday and watch if you can. Cause I think it's one of the better, um, you know, TV watching golf courses that we get all year. You know, there's a reason it's hosted big events like the uh, president's cup and, and team events in the past. Um, getting into the golf course, Mirfield Village Golf Club is a 7,553-yard par 72. Designed by Jack Nicholas. Hot take. I don't actually mind Jack Nicholas as the course designer. He gets a lot, he gets ripped by a lot of people. Doc, what are your thoughts on him? Not so much, right? 
Well, listen, the, the ones that I think he had good control of, like Bears Club and in Florida, and then of course, you know, Jack's place in Muirfield this week. I, I think uh no, I think he does have a lot of good golf courses, but I think fortunately and unfortunately for him in you know the the 80s and 90s, he was you know getting thrown millions of dollars left and right to go build courses wherever. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of one of those, you know, quality over quantity things, you know, you start to build so many, I think you, uh, you lose a feel of, uh, of, a, of a unique design, but yes, led this, uh, this is his one, one of his premier tracks for sure. Yeah. And he said in the past, it definitely has some Augusta feels to it in terms of the, uh, I believe it's the, yeah, the 12 hole par three and, you know, Augusta's 12 hole par three in the sense that, uh, I've actually played the golf course a couple of times the wind gets swirling out there and you really uh, start questioning everything. Um, in terms of the golf course length, you know, 7,500 yards kind of jumps out as it being pretty long. Uh, Jack has talked about, you know, there's a decent amount of downhill holes and elevated tee boxes. So it really doesn't play as long as it says. I mean, a lot of it's going to be up to how much um, the course is, you know, running out. I saw there was potential for some rain, um, not too windy, so you assume uh, it would be decently soft all week. It's not exactly going to get cooked out by high winds or uh, you know too hot of temperatures. Uh, rain thir- rain rain coming Thursday. Yeah, uh, it's going to yeah. rain Thursday. That's definitely where the long longer hitters in the field are going to be licking their chops. Uh, you know they're they're hoping for lift cleaning please <laughs> kind of situation here. Yeah, um, and it, like, as as far as the you know, just to to touch on what you said about the wind getting swirling, if it does later in the week, um, you know, I, as far as like what is required, you know, I, I think it is a second shot shot golf course led in that you know it's the seventh smallest greens on tour. When the wind gets up, it's um, the, the place is no joke at all. Yeah, and you know, every tour course is in good shape. Muirfield Village is in perfect shape like not a blade of grass out of place you're literally you're walking by the some of the streams and the lakes and it's like man i could take a sip out of that thing in terms of how how everything is perfect uh for this week um like i said it is pretty forgiving off the tee um i played here a couple of times it is tree line but most of the holes you're able to you know you don't have to get a perfect drive to hit the fairway i think there is definitely a, uh, you know, with some of the small greens and tucked pins, if you can be in the correct side of the fairway, I think that definitely gives you an advantage. Uh, Doc, given the, uh, there are, there are tons of like high numbers out there. Like you'll see guys make doubles. You see guys make triples because if you do get out of position, you pretty much get screwed. I can think of holes where, um, you know, the 12th hole, for example, if you miss club there and, hit it in that back left bunker, which it, it's like the semi Island green par three, one of the signature holes out there. I mean, you're happy with bogey, especially if you get on the downslope, you're just trying to keep that next bunker shot from going in the water, especially if it gets on the, on the downslope and how fast these greens are. Uh, if you miss club or end up in the wrong spot, you're pretty much happy to take your bogey and get out of there. Tiger's a five time winner here. I think Tiger's conservative style of play is one of the reasons he's d- done so well here in the past. Sometimes the course just tells you to hit eight iron to 30 feet and you got to have the patience to be able to do that. Um, now, granted, we've seen aggressive players, John Roms and stuff do well here in the past, but there's also kind of those David Lingmurth, Patrick Cantlay, more plotters, you know, stable guys that have also done well here. Uh, definitely one of the toughest courses on the circuit. Doc, I can refer to the tour as a circuit, right? 
Absolutely. I use Circuit kind of, a lot. Yeah. It's I got a Netflix documentary and doing the Formula One kind of layover there. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the guys on tour, Muirfield comes up as one of their favorite golf courses, bent grass fairways, bent greens, Kentucky bluegrass rough that gets pretty thick. You'll see a lot of shots this week where guys are taking like full swing flop shots and only trying to carry the ball like two yards and it lands on the fringe and then rolls to like 45 feet to, to then like a couple feet. Like that's just a shot that you see so often here. And that's stock. Be- that's stock for Abe answer, lad. That's yes. stock for Abe answer. Yeah. But like, this is one where you'll see, you know, a guy hit like a wedge in uh, and it takes like a firm bounce and just stays back in that rough and doesn't, you know, land on short grass to be able to spin and now instead of that ball collecting back to like three feet, he's got that almost impossible flip sh- flop shot um, where you're just almost happy with with par. Um, the winning score has been lower than 15 under one time in the last de- decade. So the course certainly holds its own um, past champs include. I mentioned a couple of these guys, Patrick Cantlay twice, John Rahm, uh, pre-Bulk DeChambeau, Jason Duffner, David Lingmurth, Hideki got his first tour win here, Matt Kuchar. Tiger five times and Justin Rose was another guy who got his first tour win here. Definitely a mix of some bombers and, you know, shorter, accurate guys. Uh, Given the four reachable par fives, I think it's definitely a bonus to be able to have, you know, 15, 20 yards on the rest of the field, um, you know, to be one of those premier bombers. But obviously you do need to be hitting fairways as well. The course was redesigned a couple years ago. Um, and what it sounds like right now from the guys on the grounds is there's kind of that balance between the new green firmness that normally hangs around a couple years after they put new greens down. And um, it's now been a couple years. So it's been a long enough time frame that they can really kind of get the greens quick. Cause you know, obviously everybody realized grass is a plant, right? <laughs> it grows and you gotta, right. you gotta work with it, and water it. And, um but definitely those first couple years after a course redesign, they can only really get the green so fast because, you know, we've seen greens in the past. It's like they burn out and they're not even able to save them. They just die. So I think it's now been a long enough time that the, the PJ tour this week is going to be able to get them back to their regular, you know, 12.5 plus kind of lightning speed. So that's what we certainly seeing this week, I believe mixed with that still kind of new green firmness. So obviously coming out of the fairway with firm greens is extremely important and keeping it below the hole when the greens are really fast, uh, also important. So, you know, stuff we'll look at that we always kind of do, um, you know, I think driving distance, you know, mixed with guys that are obviously hitting fairways. Doc, you mentioned it earlier, it's a second shot golf course. So strokes gain approach around the green is important. If you, you know, if you're hitting nine greens around, you're probably not going to make the cut, but you know, you can't be hitting uh, – you're probably not going to contend this week unless you're getting the ball up and down pretty consistently just given how tough the golf course is with those small greens. Even if you, uh, you know, hit a good golf shot, it could miss the green. So you're going to have to be able to get the ball up and down. Strokes gain, putting on bent, uh, par five scoring given the four par fives. I think course history is important. We've seen guys struggle in their first couple starts here and then start to figure it out through the years ball strikers ball strikers ball strikers looking back at last year's leaderboard there are only four guys in the top 40 that lost strokes t to green so you can't scrap out here uh you know jack nicholas uh, is very demanding in terms of this golf course design but yeah uh without further ado doc do you have anything to add or let's just get into those favorites yeah, we'll get into the uh, the favorites. Then we'll we'll give you some uh, some matchups, some picks to place, uh, a couple winners, uh, some dark horses, a degenerate play, 
Uh, we'll give you our lineups for this week, a scoring prediction, and then get you out of here uh, with a best bet. And we'll start uh, in the favorites with John Rom at 12 to one. And um, I'm out on John Rom this week because other than that, win uh, the Mexican open, he hasn't shown really the type of consistency that would warrant uh, 12 to one odds. He's 11 to one on FanDuel. Um, and, you know, I, I could care less if he would have won this event last year uh, had he not been diagnosed with COVID after the third round while he had a six-shot lead. I, I mean, I, I'm a little more concerned with the the results as of late and with the small greens around Muirfield Village. Uh, he, he's going to be, con, you know, continue to be tested uh, around the greens, which he has struggled on uh, week after week, uh, really having a tough time getting up and down from anywhere in the putter. Uh, has not helped whatsoever. So um, I don't see why he's 12 to one this week. And I, I'm on, un, I'm uninterested in John Rom. Yeah, doc. I've seen the revenge storyline brewing a little bit. Yes, uh, for sure. Um, I'm actually, you know, I'm surprised Travis Matthew wasn't able to, you know, pump him out of hazmat suit last year. That would have, uh, you know, I feel like, man, if there's a sport that you could play, even if you're dying, I know at the time we didn't know. Yeah, they could have sent him off. They could have sent him off by himself, though. I agree. Sent him off by himself, masked up, caddy ball, grabbing the ball out of the hole. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the caddy was a little rattled too. He was about to make get 10% of whatever a win would be. I'm sure. I'm sure, John. I, uh, I would have been rattled. I mean, you let him go off by himself. Um, you know, final group, six shot lead. I mean, uh, put him with a uh, put him with a Jeff Knox or, or whatever they the guy that they bring out <laughs> yeah. at uh, Augusta. Throw and Jack then, out there with him, and then just send it, and then just send him right back to the parking lot when the round's over. I mean, it was yeah. uh, you know it, it was uh, it was very controversial. I disagree with it for sure, but yeah, as far as the little you know John Rom uh, storyline of of getting revenge, I, I feel like the last you know two years. Um, you know, Rom won in 2020 and then he had a little um, rule scandal there too, didn't he? Like a double chip or something happened. I'd have to look back at that. I think he was, or no, he grounded his club and the ball moved or something. I remember. Uh, uh, interesting, so he's, but, got a, he's got a bit of a curse here. It seems like. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, so he wins in, in 2020 and then of course probably would have won last year, but I feel like in 2020 and 2021, uh, we were watching a much different John Rom, one that did not struggle at all around or on the greens. Um, and it's, you know, we're looking at like a six to seven tournament trend here where um, if he starts missing greens, which is very easy around here, uh, I don't think he's going to contend. Yeah. And Doc, you talked about it. If he doesn't have the Corn Ferry Mexican Open win under his belt, like I think he's getting a lot more. Uh, flack for you know not really playing as well as he should have the last you know year uh but yeah doc we've done this in the past we don't really like taking guys very often less than you know 20 to 1 or whatever especially uh in this with this deep of a field but um yeah i'm out on john rom as well moving into our next guy patrick cantlay at 12 to 1 two-time winner of this event let's say one and a half time winner because of the rom covid situation that we just mentioned <laughs> uh I honestly thought Cantley's number would be a bit longer after a rough PGA championship to say the least. Uh, I don't think you get much value coming in here, given off the fact that Cantley won here last year. Uh, Cantley lost strokes in every category at the PGA. 
Um, yes, he's a two-time winner and he's good on bent, but you know, I just think there's better plays out there than Patrick Cantlay at 12 to one. Yeah. I mean, looking at these first two guys, Rom and Cantlay, uh, we're going to talk about Shane Lowry in, in a little bit, but if you look at the type of year that Shane or, or Spieth, um, I mean, even a Hobland, even though I am going to stay away from Hobland this week, even a Hobland, uh, has had a better year, substantially a better year than, uh, Rom and Cantlay. So we're seeing, uh, I mean, the odds are definitely uh, a little bit off there. Uh, and on to uh, Rory McIlroy at 11 to one, uh, something I love about Rory coming into this week is how good, uh, he has hit his driver around Muirfield over the years. Rory has only lost shots, uh, off the tee once in his career, uh, when playing Muirfield, that's about 11 starts. And he's, uh, he's result. The result has been four top 10 finishes, uh, over his career. And, you know, the talking heads and, and media elites can say that Rory choked, uh, the PGA championship all day long. I, I look at the PGA as another step in the right direction for Rory, uh, opening a major championship with the 65, something he has not done in a very long time. And had it not been for a couple fluky, bad swing on the par threes at Southern Hills and, uh, he probably wins the event, and the PGA was his third top 10 finish in a row. Uh, dating back to the Masters, he's putted uh, very well the last two events, probably because he's working with Brad Faxon again. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't see that many good looks on Rory. I would like to get better odds uh, for his top 10 number, which I see is uh, plus 115. I don't like him uh, on the GB and I leaderboard because I think Shane Lowry will be a top in that category. I do love uh, Rory at plus 106 uh, over John Rahm this week on Bet Online. I would say uh, that's the best look at Roy McIlroy this week. Doc, I'm in complete agreement. I wrote down his top 10. Just It does feel like Rory, if his wedges are anything but horrific, is just auto top 10 this week. But at plus 115, I just don't think there's much value there. He's, turning the, he's turning the corner with Brad, too, for sure. I mean... With the putting, the yes. putting, yeah, the putting's on the right track for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think the only value there really is is maybe playing him in a matchup against Rom, just given the fact that he's putting a lot better than him. But moving into our next guy, Xander Shoffley, sixteen to one, fifth at the eighteen t, thirteenth at the PGA, in which he picked up strokes in every category. Doc, as we know, this guy does not win that often. Don't even start with the Zurich stuff. That is not a real PJ Tour win. I'm not playing a guy at 16 to 1 who hasn't won a PJ Tour event since the start of 2018. Uh, Shocking. The issue is he's priced like a guy that wins three times a year. Uh, he does have three straight top 15s here. He could keep that streak going, but winning is a completely different animal. Um, I know he has the stats, but I'd way rather take guys that are a little bit, you know, I can get Colin Morikawa 18 to one at next up. I'm taking that all day over Xander. Cause um, I don't know. Just let's just like lay out a hypothetical scenario. Xander two shot lead Sunday, maybe has Colin starting the day two back has Rory starting the day three back. And he hasn't um, been there in so long, you know? Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I'm taking Rory like two back. Give me Rory starting two back of, not that Rory's been this amazing closer, but uh, I would just, uh, I don't know. Xander time and time again, hasn't really been to close out these, uh, these events. And uh, I just don't think we're getting much value there at 16 to one. He's the guy I'd wait for him to get in the twenties before I start playing. 
yeah, I don't know when uh, when books are going to adjust uh, to that. I it's 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 kind of I don't when I look at these odds once again I, I don't understand why Jordan Spieth would be um, would be less of a favorite uh, than Xander. So I find that shocking as well. I'm off Xander too um, until those numbers get corrected. On to uh, Colin Morikawa at eighteen to one and. Uh, I'd say at that number, Morikawa is probably my favorite look this week as far as winning is concerned. We talked about it earlier. Morikawa won the 2020 Workday, which was hosted at Muirfield Village, and uh, he finished second at this event, the Memorial, last year. I'd say make no mistake, the putting has been nothing short of horrible uh, for Morikawa. But for the entirety of his pro career, the putting has never had any consistency for Morikawa. The good putting weeks come when he's hitting it so well that he never has a putt from outside of 15 feet. Um, and I think that's the version of Morikawa we're going to get this week in Memorial. So um, I think I'll definitely be on Morikawa's uh, winning ticket and probably a, a matchup as well. Yeah, Doc, um, the putting is shocking. He's lost over two-stroke putting four weeks in a row, and the streak has no end in sight. Uh, this course rewards good ball strikers. He's certainly one of the best. He's picked up five and a half strokes on the greens last year in route to a runner up finish. So maybe he gets on track this week with a decent putting performance. I said last week he had never in his PJ tour career lost strokes on the greens five weeks in a row. And, uh, yeah, let's just say the streak is, is still alive. Yeah. Um, now Colin gains strokes on the greens. He contends like a lot of the time, you know what I mean? Do I think there's a better than 18 to one chance that he picks up strokes on the greens this week? Probably. Um, and that's probably a reason that I'm, I'm on him this week. Uh, Doc, he's picked up over 20 strokes tee to green. His last two starts at Muirfield village. If he does that with not terrible putting, I think, you know, Morikawa 18 to one is a must play, but moving into our next guy, uh, Victor Hovland 20 to one. The way Hovland is chipping, his margin for error is extremely small. He lost seven strokes on and around the greens at this event last year en route to a 47th place finish. Uh, this is a guy who hasn't had a top 10 since the players. Uh, I don't think we can play this number till it gets a bit longer. Um, you know, we've kind of sat some weeks now that we saw Hovland at 16 to 1, 18 to 1, 20 to 1. He's at 21 now. I'd almost, you know, see if we can see that number, almost get to 25 to one, potentially take him. Um, and it's not necessarily because he's not a great ball striker, not a great player, but his just margin for error is so small. You know, um, last week he finished 21st, lost two and a half strokes around the greens. You know, I could see more of the same this week. Sure, he could finish 12th, but contend with the way he's chipping? I don't know. You know, if you miss a green at Muirfield, you're either in thick Kentucky bluegrass or have a difficult bunker shot. Hovland gets up and down out of bunkers 44% of the time, 170th on tour. I just think, he, you know, that kind of short game, it's funny, Doc. When you're really struggling with your short game, it actually starts to put way more pressure on your long game and can kind of make that go out of whack knowing – you know, let's say you're hitting a seven iron from for a guy like him 200 yards away, knowing if I miss this green, I'm making bogey half the time. You know, that obviously puts a lot of pressure versus the guy like Spieth. You know, he's inside 30 yards of the green. He's like birdie look, right? right it's just right. a completely different mindset kind of going in here. And uh, yeah, Doc, if he has one rough ball striking round, let's say he misses, you know, seven or eight greens. 
that's three or four bogeys. So he's not really going to be able to, you know, take it much lower than 72 or 71, even if he makes some birdies that day. And I think that could be, you know, it just takes one of those off ball striking days, which a lot of these tour players have at least once a week, you know, um, for it, for it to take him out of the golf tour tournament. So um, I think, you know, the way his short game is right now, it's tough to, on a difficult golf course, you know, you are going to make some bogeys, but, you know, even on a par five green side, it's not auto up and down birdie kind of situation. So Hovland at 20 to one, I'm still waiting for that number to get a little bit longer. If, you know, if the books start respect disrespecting him, you know, too much in a couple weeks here, if he gets to 30 to one and, you know, still struggling at chipping, he might be good enough to, you know, take a flyer on, but he's a pass for me this week. Yeah. I'm passing on, uh, on Hovland as well. And I think there's a difference in the, the struggles of the short game that a Morikawa or a Rom would have, in comparison to Hovland, I feel like when uh, Morikawa and Rom, you know, uh, miss a green, it's not like they're chili dipping wedges, you know, across the green or, or like massive miss strikes or anything like that. They tend to just not convert the easy up and down. I mean, Hovland, I look at him chipping um, and, and at times putting here over the last, you know, six, seven events. Um, and it, and it's, it's fairly shocking. He looks uncomfortable over everything. I think, you know, it's, it's not like he's going to hit, well, you know, unless he gets extremely hot at the irons, you can't expect someone to go hit 72 greens. And I think when he does miss greens, it's just the, the, the rate, you know, you just heard the numbers from James, the rate, we can do the math, math, right? Let's say he misses four greens a day. Right. And let's say, which would be a great ball striking, right. week, especially at Muirfield. We almost probably want to say five greens, but we'll say even has a good ball striking week, misses four greens a day, right? Four rounds, 16. So if he's getting up the ball up and down half the time, which is what he does, right? Then that's just, you're automatically, your baseline is like eight bogeys. So now he's got to go out there. And if he wants to win this thing and the winning score is 15 under, you know, he needs to make, he needs to make, 20 whatever you want to call them par breakers maybe mix a couple eagles in there but he needs to make 23 birdies to get to that number and that's what i'm saying his margin for error given the way he's chipping if he has a if he doesn't putt great to offset that i mean he's really behind the eight ball before he's uh you know even teed off kind of thing just with the struggles he's had which is why his number probably shouldn't be 20 to one. So yeah. off, off Victor Hovland uh, this week on to Shane Lowry at 20 to one. And this is a guy I, I really like uh, Shane Lowry who finished sixth uh, last year at this tournament. He has played uh, with incredible consistency this year with top three finishes at Honda Augusta, uh, the RBC heritage. And uh, the last time I played him was a top 20 ticket at the PGA. He ended up finishing 23rd. Uh, but there's not really been a more consistent player on tour without a win uh, this year than Shane Lowry. I think Will Zalatoris could be in that conversation as well. But um, I have a great look uh, on Shane Lowry that I'll share with you in the picks to place. Uh, but as I, and and I, I like that 20 to 20 to one number uh, for him to win as well. I think that's priced uh, fairly correctly with how often he's been in contention this year. Yeah, I'm going to be fading Shane Lowry to match up. He is a uh, kind of a sell high scenario, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, moving to our next guy, Jordan Spieth, 22 to one. He's finished seventh or better in three of his last four starts. 
These short putts are concerning. Everyone is freaking out about the short putts. Uh, he's losing over two strokes per event in his last five starts. Uh, last week, the irons were mediocre, and that is the only thing that really stopped him from contending. You know, we're used to him picking up four, five, six a shot. Sorry, four, five, six shots approach. Um, but last week, you know, just was zero. So didn't gain, didn't lose any. Um, so that was a little out of character for a guy like Spieth, who's normally been uh, stuffing iron shots. And Doc, I, I said it, a lot of the talking heads hate Spieth this week for the sketchy putter, supposedly uh, struggles to move the ball from right to left. And there's like not, there's not like crazy dog legs out here. I don't know really what they're talking about in that you don't, sense. You don't really have uh, to draw the ball out here, I don't think. Huh? I don't think you have to hit draws out here at all. Yeah, so I don't know what they were saying with that. Um, meanwhile, the people concerned about the putter, he won two events ago losing strokes with the putter. Now, I don't think, um, given how tough this week will be, I don't think he can do that this uh, this week at Memorial. I don't think he's going to be able to really you know, gain 10, 12 strokes uh, tee to green like he did potentially at Harbortown and route to that win. But you know, he's finished in the top 20 in six of his last eight starts at this event. Clearly loves the place. Um, his top 20 is plus 120 on FanDuel. I think that has some value. Top 10 is plus 260. I don't particularly hate that either. Um, Jordan loves Bent. It's his best surface by far. Um, so let's see if we can maybe potentially find him in a matchup or a pick to place this week. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll definitely have him in a matchup and let I'll just get it started there um, here in the matchups. I'm going to get Jordan Spieth um, over Xander Schauffele um, at plus 105 on, on bet online. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Jordan, he, he's, you know, he had the win at the RBC heritage and, and, you know, through the Texas swing, Dallas uh, colonial, you know, ha, has played extremely well. I, and, you know, we see from time to time what gets off with Jordan. Sometimes he has the big high ride miss. Sometimes he gets off with the driver. You know, I, I think if there's if there's anyone that I trust in that sense, you know, to to as far as getting himself out of trouble, finding grinding his way around this golf course, it would be Jordan Spieth. And then you look at the numbers uh, with ball striking on approach, um, and, and he's been one of the best in the world this year. Uh, I like that on the seven smallest greens um, on tour. I think he. Uh, he plays better than, than Xander Shoffley this week. So uh, my first matchup is going to be Jordan Spieth at plus 105 over Xander Shoffley over on bet online. Yeah. And I like that matchup. You know, you just think about it. There's no trophies for hitting the straightest drive, but obviously uh, this week at Memorial, given the fact that the fairways are, you know, decently forgiving, but in terms of if it's a second shot golf course, I'm taking uh, Jordan Spieth all day in that matchup. Uh, you know, Xander's, kind of more of a, a driver of the golf ball for sure in terms of accuracy than a, than a speed moving into my first head-to-head -head, i'm going to be taking keegan bradley over adam scott minus 115 on DraftKings. here's adam scott's recent form uh he's missed the cut in two of his last four starts he's losing strokes with his approach shot in three of his last four losing strokes around the greens in three of his last four losing strokes on the green in two of his last three i don't know how which putting device concoction he's got i don't know if he's going broomstick kutcher putter cross hand blade mallet you know using a wedge i don't know what he's doing this week uh anyway summarized uh all those losing strokes he's not in form um both of adam scott's top tens at this event 
have either come in off a win at the Charles Schwab or a top 10 in a major. Uh, he's shown no signs of form coming in this week. I think Mirfield Village could take his lunch money uh, the way he's playing. Meanwhile, Keegan has finished uh, in the top 10 in three of his last five starts. He also has an 11th place finish at the Arnold Palmer a couple starts before that. Keegan's best surface is Ben Green's. His last two starts here are missed cuts, but he's playing some of the best golf of his life right now in terms of consistency. Uh, he does have two top 10s in the past at this event, so it's not like he can't play well at this golf course. It's just those were in like 2015, 2016. Uh, to me, given their recent form, these guys should not be priced similar similarly at all. Um, so I think we can take advantage of it with Keegan Bradley over Adam Scott, minus 115 for my first head-to-head. Okay, and my second head-to-head uh, for the Memorial is going to be Jason Day over Adam Scott at minus 105 on Bet Online. Now, Muirfield Village led a place that's close to home for, for Jason Day, the wider fairways, uh, and with the work that he's been doing with Chris Como, I feel like where we saw his game collapse at the Wells Fargo was it got a little rainy. The fairways were tight uh, and, and that kind of knockdown three wood that he's been uh, he's been playing. It just, it wasn't finding fairways. I think Muirfield's a place where uh, one, he'll have room to miss off the tee Two, you know, like I keep saying seven small screen on tour and Jason day, one of the best iron players on tour for sure. Um, and you know, I, we're yet to kind of see his putter ever regress. You know, one of the best putters on tour famously spends five hours a day on the greens. Now, James, Jason Day, not in the U.S. Open yet. And, you know, we have sectionals coming up and he would be auto exempt into sectionals. But this was his quote. Uh, I'm not going to qualify. I've never really chosen to qualify. And that's my personal preference. I want to earn my way into it. And I'm not saying qualifying isn't earning your way, but I want to do it the, the long way. I've always been like that uh, since I was a younger pro. I, I feel like maybe since Tiger, you know, has never has never played U.S. Open sectional, uh, maybe since he was 16. There's no way you're going to find Jason Day in one. Yeah, I don't know. It's Tiger hasn't played it because he hasn't had to. You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of right. thing. It's kind of a chicken or egg situation. But uh, yeah, that's an interesting take for him, you know. He's been playing better as of late. You'd think, uh, you know, I the there's are a couple qualifiers. Like I don't remember. There's two. There's one in Columbus um, that I think pretty much all the PJ Tour players that are in Memorial they go the next day and play the 36 whole day. Um, but yeah, I just think, you know, how old's Jason Day now? What is he? Thirty high thirties? Yeah, right? yeah, somewhere high in there, mid high thirties. I mean, realistically, probably has six or seven more years to potentially compete in, in majors and stuff like that. So I don't really see the harm unless he doesn't think the back can hold up for 36. I don't really understand why he wouldn't uh, want to play US Open qualifier. Yeah, it's Not- puzzling. But the point of all of it is, is uh, you know, he's going to have to do something in the next two weeks, really win a golf tournament. RBC, Canada, is Canada next week led? Canada is next week where, yes. where he's had a ton of success. He's won there. Um, and, and, you know, I think he gets things going this week. You know, he's made his last three cuts um, after that, you know, collapse at the Wells Fargo. I think it was, it was a second round uh, 79. I think um, he had the lead after the first day and then completely blew it. Uh, and, and we're taking him over Adam Scott, who, you know, led just talked about, um, 
and, and his iron play has not been sharp over the last five events and hasn't finished better than 26th uh, since the Arnold Palmer. So uh, my second matchup is going to be Jason Day or Adam Scott at minus 105 on Bet Online. And Doug, one more thing. Um, does RBC next week, do they do the thing like if you're not exempt for the US Open and you finish like eighth, like the top five finishers get in? Because uh, yeah, I know the British Open – like, it doesn't matter if it's the Scottish Open the week before or, like, the whatever, Czechoslovakian Open, and you finish, like, eighth, they give you, like, a St. Andrews flag, and you're just playing in the British Open the next week. I don't know if RBC does anything like that for U.S. Open, but I want to say maybe John Deere is, a lot of the times, the week before the British Open, where the, the top finishers from that will kind of get into the not already exempt guys will have a have potential to get in a couple spots. It's kind of like a win in you're in kind of thing, which makes it super exciting down the stretch, especially, you know, normally a little bit weaker field event than, than most. So you get some guys that uh, may not normally have played in one. Yeah. The, uh, the open has, you know, the open qualifying series, like all through the European and PGA tour uh, all year. I'd have to check if the, if it works the same way with the U S open, if it's uh, top, top, you know, five or eight, uh, get well, through to the U.S. I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll figure it out when we need to. All right, so for my next matchup, I'm going to take Hideki Matsuyama over Shane Lowry plus 102. This is all about the price for me. Uh, Hideki won starting go, finished third at the AT&T before a rough PGA Championship. Um, still, he has three top 20s, his last four starts. Uh, the putter has been a lot better the last couple months than it was at the start of the season. Um, this is a guy looking for his third win on tour. Uh, certainly has some course history here. He's finished 13th or better in four of his seven starts at this place, including a win. I don't think Hideki should really be a dog to many people this week, and certainly not Shane Lowry. Shane does have top three finishes in two of his last three starts, powered, powered by a great powered by great iron play. Um, but he has as many top tens as missed cuts at Memorial. Yes, he did finish sixth last year. But to me, I think Lowry's just – he's playing great, and his value couldn't be higher. And this is one of the few times I think we get a you know player of Hideki's level uh, at plus money to a guy like Shane Lowry. Doc, I don't hate Shane this week, but with the dormant conditions we are expecting, I think that, that favors Hideki um, over a Lowry uh, in the sense that if it was just a straight-up track band combine, I'm taking Hideki all day. Uh, you know, if it's really tough conditions, wind swirly, then we'll take the the former champion golfer of the year. But uh, yeah, I'd go to war with Hideki any day in this matchup at plus money. So let's ride Hideki Matsuyama over Shane Lowry plus 102 on DraftKings. Yeah, I think they'll both be in the top 10 uh, down the stretch on Sunday. I think they'll both be contending for it. I like both of them. Uh, so I guess either side on that, I can't argue with, but I'll work into my first pick to place. And that's going to be uh, Shane Lowry, low man from uh, Great Britain and Ireland at plus 300 um, on DraftKings. Yeah, uh, one more note. thing. Yeah. Were you going to play Rory over Rom? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. My apologies. Yeah, I had one more. Uh, yeah, it's Rory McIlroy over John Rom. Um, at plus 106 on bet online. Uh, yeah, to me, Rory McIlroy should be the favorite in this matchup. Instead, uh, we get Rory as a dog. Uh, Rory, who's had, you know, three consecutive top five, top 10 finishes um, against the John Rom, who, like I said, is, is different than the John Rom that we have seen arrive at Mirfield Village um, over the past 
you know, two years, one in 2020. And then, and then, you know, had to, uh, had to withdraw last year because of the COVID with the six shot lead. So uh, my first ma- or my last matchup for the Memorial is going to be Roy McIlroy over John Rahm. I'm at plus one Oh six on bet online. I'm on that as well. The, you know, T to green stats are pretty similar. The results are pretty similar as of late, but uh, yeah, I'm just going to take the hotter putter all day long at plus money, please. And thank you. Yeah. And, you know, since I was kind of, uh, I kind of already started it, I'll continue. Yes. Yeah, so my first pick to place is going to be Shane Lowry, low man uh, from Great Britain and Ireland at plus 300 uh, on DraftKings Sportsbook. So there are eight other players um, on this leaderboard that Shane will have to beat. McElroy and, and Matthew Fitzpatrick, two biggest threats. And it's not that, you know, uh, not to say that McElroy and, and Fitzpatrick are not playing well. well I think uh, they're two good options this week. Fitzpatrick, TD Green is, has been phenomenal. And I'm shocked, led with this cross handed chipping. He's ninth on tour around the greens over his last 24 rounds. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Every time I see it, I'm like, God, I mean, is, is he, is he going to chili dip one for once? But not his touch with that, uh, with that, uh, with the cross-handed chipping is is pretty phenomenal. And, and as for Rory, you know, we just said he's he's been fantastic. But Vegas is essentially giving me the matchup of Lowry over McIlroy and Fitzpatrick at plus three hundred. Um, and and you have to take the way that Shane has been playing this year uh, because as far as strokes gain total is concerned, Shane Lowry is the number one player in the world. Uh, so my first uh, ticket is going to be Shane Lowry, low man from. Uh, GB and I plus 300 on DraftKings Sportsbook for my first pick to place. All righty. For my first pick to place, I'm going to be taking Jordan Spieth top 20 at plus 120 and sprinkle a little top 10 at plus 260. That can be found on FanDuel. Uh, he's finished in the top 20 in six of his last eight starts in this event. He's gained at least eight strokes tee to green in five straight events heading into this week. At plus money, I just feel like, uh, why not? Um, he's been one of the most consistent performers the last couple of months, and I think even with the strong field, top 20 gives him enough wiggle room to, you know, potentially miss a couple two-footers and, and still be fine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, Doc, the fact that he's finished in the top 20, six of his last eight starts, and it's at plus money for another top 20, I don't think really there's a reason that he couldn't keep that streak, streak going. And then even sprinkling a little top 10 in there at plus 260, uh, I like as well for Jordan Spieth in my first pick to place. Yeah, and uh, my next one is going to be uh, Colin Morikawa, top 10 at plus 270 uh, on FanDuel. Um, and, you know, I, I, a couple things. Can't argue with his his past performance here. I know that the uh, you know the putting is has been a huge question mark over his last – a uh, couple events, but uh, you look at the big tournaments, you know, the masters fifth, you know, that required a, you know, extremely good uh, performance around the greens. Genesis finished second. Uh, once again, required extremely good performance around the greens. I think, um, you know, this is a place, like I said, in the favorites where I think I- I'm expecting a big uh, ball striking week from Morikawa hitting a lot of greens. Um, and, you know, hopefully the short game uh, comes around when it has to, you know, Losing three and a half shots in the green at Charles Schwab last week, not good. Missed a lot of short ones, uh, but I'm trusting that you know he he brings in those you know those solid uh, memories over the last couple of years at this track uh, and puts together a good finish. So my second pick to place is going to be Colin Morikawa, top ten plus two seventy on Fanduel. 
Yeah, and Doc, I've always been the guys that have struggled with putting. Um, I think if you're going to play perfect greens, it's kind of nice knowing, hey, if I start this online, uh, it's going to go in. I've noticed that, you know, if the greens aren't as great, if they're a little bobbly, if they're a little grainy, um, and you don't hit a perfect putt, it feels like you're going to miss. So I think, you know, I'm not saying, oh, my God, let's just absolutely just hammer some awful putters this week. But I do think if you're playing lightning fast greens and you just feel like, you know, like a downhill seven footer, if the greens are super fast, I think is a pretty easy putt knowing just touch it, start that thing online. And then you get on a roll. And next thing you know, you know, an awful putter might be picking up two or three strokes on the greens versus, uh, you know, a five footer on not the saying they're playing, uh, you know, goat pastures or whatever, <laughs> but uh, when the greens are not great and you feel, you know, and you got the Billy Horschel hand wave going like yeah. you did at Chambers Bay, you really need to hit good putts to make, you know, four footers. Whereas this week, uh, start the ball in line, you're pretty much going to be uh, making putts dead center. So I think that leans towards uh, some of these better ball striker, worse putter uh, combos. But speaking of that, uh, for my, other pick to place. I'm going to take Will Zalatoris top 10 plus 310 on FanDuel. Zal lost strokes with his irons for the first time in 13 starts last week. Uh, the way he consistently hits it, I think there's a very low chance that happens again. He just had an awful Thursday ball striking day, only hitting nine greens um, last week. Uh, the course does have an Augusta feel to it. Jack has talked about how, uh, you know, there's definitely some shades of that out here. Zal obviously has a great track where track record at Augusta, uh, you know, sixth place finish this past year. And then second, the year before, um, when Zal has made the cut, he has finished in the top 10, 50, 57% of the time. Uh, I do think that Zal, uh, Will Zalator is going to make the cut. So then I think we're in line for a potential top 10, the way he drives the golf ball, he will have a big advantage on just about everyone. I think he's going to light up the par fives this week and route to a, you know, a solid week. And I think, um, you know, if we're going to have those calm conditions, I think that favors the, uh, you know, elite ball strikers, the guys who are almost trying to hit it, gimme from inside 150 yards, you know, Will Zalatoris is one of those guys. So, um, yeah, there's not, you know, two or three, uh, ball strikers I'm taking over Zalatoris in this field. So at top 10 plus three ten, I think it's definitely worth it. And that can be found on FanDuel. So that's Will Zalatoris top 10 plus three ten. Okay, and then my last pick to place is going to be uh, Hideki Matsuyama, top 20 plus 130 on Bet365. It's I find it amazing we're getting a top 20 ticket at a plus number on Hideki this week. Um, you know, I feel like with the PGA, there was some, whether it was, you know, a little a little rust. You know, he, he played the Byron, finished third at the Byron after a bit of a break after the Masters, whether it was the back injury where he – whether he was just taking rest, we don't know. Um, you Scotty Scheffler missed the cut. So let's just call it an odd week, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like just in general, right? Let's not overreact one way or another to the PGA. If a guy like Scotty Scheffler is not making the cut, then, uh, you know, you sometimes you get on the wrong wave, things start going the wrong way. And, and it, we saw a guy from seven shots back win. So, you know, I don't remember exactly what Hideki shot, but, Doc, the difference between making the cut on the number and shooting maybe one or two under on the weekend, that's like finishing tied 16th at the PGA. So I think a lot of times people overreact to like a miscut at the PGA or a poor performance on a tough golf course. Yeah, no doubt. I, I'm I'm right with you there. I mean, he his numbers really weren't even um, that bad at the PGA. I mean, he, he you know, it was so uh, minuscule 
you know, when you look at the numbers, you know, strokes gain approach, barely lost under a shot and then putting, I mean, minus 0.1 on the greens, you know, I mean, barely anything. So you're exactly right. Um, and this is a, a course where he's won before in Muirfield. So um, I think Hideki shows up this week. My uh, last pick to place here is going to be Hideki Matsuyama, top 20 um, at plus 130 at Bet365. Moving into our picks to win, I promise, uh, audience, we did not prep together. Uh, we just have a similar feel on certain guys. So for my first pick to win, I'm taking Hideki Matsuyama, 28 to 1 on DraftKings. Doc, this is eerily similar to Sam Burns last week at 30 to one. He had two wins coming in right at Sanderson and Innisbrook coming into the Charles Schwab challenge or whatever the hell they call that event. Yeah. Um, and way then, too long, way too long. Yeah. The name. And then Hideki coming to Jack's place this week had a win at the Zozo earlier in the season, had a win at the Sony. Uh, you know, the injury concerns are pretty much gone. I feel, I feel pretty comfortable putting him in a draft Kings lineup. Um, you know, if Hideki can keep the putter going, into this week, I love playing him in the high 20s. This is a guy that, you know, potentially would have been, I don't know exactly, let me check my notes, but, you know, probably lower 20s, even maybe in the teens at Augusta. And the fact that we're almost getting him in the 30s here, I think is a must play. He's tied fourth in par five scoring average. We got four par fives this week. So I think he can take advantage of that. So for my first pick to win, I'm taking Hideki Matsuyama at 28 to one. Yeah. So my first uh, pick to win, I have two, um, you know, and I'll, I'll give you both of mine. So we just talked about Colin Morikawa. I'm taking him um, at 19 to one on FanDuel. And for my second uh, and final winner this week, I'm taking Shane Lowry at 25 to one um, on bet MGM, you know, Lowry fourth in approach uh, and first in total strokes gained on tour over his last 24 rounds. And like I said earlier, uh, he had a sixth place finish here last year. Uh, and has really been knocking on the door uh, to get his first uh, PGA Tour win of the season uh, for quite some time, really much the entire year. Um, and he's had, you know, top five finishes left and right. So my two winners for this week, Colin Morikawa at 19 to one on FanDuel uh, and Shane Lowry at 25 to one on BetMGM. Yeah, and I have two more quick ones for you. Will Zalatoris at 30 to one on DraftKings. Justin Rose and Decky got their first PGA Tour wins at Memorial. I could see more of the same for a guy like Zal. I think the Irons get back on track this week after a uh, a rough week, to say the least, at Colonial. Um, you know, this is a guy who has missed two out of his last four cuts, but I think we can take advantage of that number ballooning a, a bit. Uh, you know, the faster greens for a guy with the yippiest stroke on tour, you know, at least from three feet, that stroke shouldn't be longer than really three or four inches, right? The, the longer that stroke gets, the worse. So the faster the greens, the better, I think, for a guy like Zal. Um, small greens, Doc, you talked about this. Zal leads a tour in strokes gained tee to green, so obviously those match up really well. Uh, yeah, I, you know, like I mentioned, Zal doesn't miss cuts very often. I think we can get it some value here off a little bit of overreaction from the books. And for my last uh pick to win i'm gonna take abraham answer at 80 to 1 on DraftKings. this guy was like 12 to 1 at the mexican open like a month ago now granted it was the mexican open but still i think that number has ballooned up a lot i know this is a much stronger field uh this is a guy that finished top 10 at the pga two weeks ago so it's not like his game's like crazy out of form or anything um i know we have some short game concerns with the guy but uh this is completely about the number he should not be in like the Ricky Fowler uh, 
range of, of betting odds. So I think uh, there's some value there for Abraham answer at 80 to one. So recapping those, I'm going to take Hideki Matsuyama at 28 to one, Zala Torres 30 to one, and Abraham answer 80 to one. Those can all be found on DraftKings. I think a guy like a guy like Abraham answer, uh, th- this is a course that would really set up well for him. I mean, especially around the greens, he's more of a guy that can hit that miracle shot, which is required around the, you miss a green here. You're, you're, it's not going to be a stock, you know, chip and run. You kind of have to pull off uh, the miracle shot around the greens at any given point. And I feel like he's a good enough iron player. Second, you know, seventh smallest greens on tour. I feel like this place sets up pretty perfect for it. Yeah, for certainly. And, and at 80 to yeah. one, 80 to one. I mean, that's almost like long shot range, you know, for a guy that, We've seen him consistently 20s, 30s, 40s. So it's like, what's going on this week that we don't know about is the only concerning thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> on to our dark horses. I'm taking Davis Riley again. Top 10 plus 500 on DraftKings Sportsbook. I feel like we're going to kind of find out uh, whether you know these last four or five weeks have been um, either really good for Davis Riley or is he going to break through and win let? I mean, it, that's kind of what we're going to find out here. Um, you know, I feel like it's kind of a similar story with Mito. Um, you know, they're in that same range, you know, do you, are you really, can you really put together this type of consistency over a long-term stretch on tour or is this kind of just a hot run? We'll go, we'll go over it. Fifth in Mexico for Davis Riley, ninth at the Byron, 13th, at the PGA fourth at the Charles Schwab, uh, last week where we cashed a, a top 10 ticket on him. Um, and I, I feel like this is another golf course that favors, um, precision iron players. And he's doing just that ranks number two on tour, um, in iron play over his last, uh, 12 events. So, uh, my dark horse for this week is going to be Davis Riley top 10 at plus 500 on DraftKings. Love it. Uh, for my dark horse, this is a dark horse. I'm, uh, I almost think they may the veterinarian or whatever the horse doctor would have maybe putting them down a couple months ago, potentially, uh, I'm taking Harris English, who has not played a PGA Tour event since the Sony Open. He's coming off a hip surgery in shout-out Bale, Colorado. Uh, that's actually where I got my double shoulder wow. surgery. Um, I remember walking out of the – or getting rolled out of, like, the surgery ward or whatever they call it. It wasn't a mental hospital, but whatever they call it. And uh, it was a really cool hospital. It's called, like, the Sedman Clinic. And uh, – it was Harris English was like hitting balls in underwear, like with all the little sensors all over him. Yeah. Um, I guess deciding if you want to get surgery or not, uh, obviously he did end up getting it. Um, but yeah, Harris English has not played a PJ tour event since the Sony open anyways, uh, pre-injury Harris had won twice, made the Ryder cup team cracked the top 10, in the world golf ranking. Uh, yes, he did have a rough couple events to start the year. But I think that was when he started to really deal with that, you know, ailing hip injury. You know, it's one of those things. It might have been a long time coming. Right. But he's like, shit, I'm finishing top 10 every week. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll do surgery. Uh, you know, I'm going to wear this thing to the ground kind of thing. Obviously, I think it ended up working out for him, given the fact that he was on the Ryder Cup team and, you know, all those, um, you know, had two wins. But, it's kind of like uh, a Bryson thing, you know, like he, he finished uh 25th at the start of the season at century which like there's only 30 players there uh yeah. but as far as you know pushing out an injury 
you know, I feel like they're kind of in the same ball game this week, you know, but Bryce- I love how, I love how they've handled it. I feel like completely different. Like Bryson's like, I'm going to play this week. I'm going to play this week. I'm going to play this week. Whereas I feel like Harris is um, definitely 100% coming into this week. Like he shut it down, right. Yeah. To get back because the last thing you want is like a lingering injury throughout the season, especially as we get into the majors and the FedEx cup playoffs that obviously don't care too much about from a trophy case scenario, but definitely from a monetary uh, standpoint, aren't they playing for 15 mil this year? So um, yeah, Bryson, let's just relax with the long drives and let's get healthy. And in Bryson's case, I've heard, uh, you know, Aaron Oberholzer, Aaron Oberholzer, who we see on golf channel every week, he had the same injury. He said he was out for two years and, you know, uh, really the first year was kind of just letting everything heal. And then the second year was just kind of getting his feels back. So I know that was, you know, probably 20, 21 years ago, they have a lot more technology now, but yeah, Bryson really, he's like, yeah, sometimes I'm in pain. Sometimes I'm not. I think you're right in the sense that you really don't have to worry about that with Harris English this week. Yeah. And Bryson, I was watching his Instagram live today. He's like, yeah, I've got this weird balance between like muscle fatigue and, you know, uh the plate in there it's just like oh my god and then he's like swinging all out drivers and you know fist bumping his buddies like i don't know i think uh it's interesting i saw i was listening well he, to- did, he he doesn't listen to doctors you know he he uh this this had been going on for the whole year and he showed yeah. up to, to the masters before he uh, he showed up to the pga before he withdrew before play started and he's like yeah the doctor said you know, I shouldn't be here this week, but I have to gut it out anyway. It's like, dude, you just had like reconstructive hand surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not ideal. Not ideal. But anyways, getting back to Harris English, um, obviously not much to look at statistically. Um, I think anytime we can get a guy of this caliber at this good of a top 20 number, I think it's worth taking, uh, mentioning it. Harris English top 20 at plus 450. His best surface is bent and the way this guy's putt putts as long as he hits it you know decent you know i think he'd be right in there on the weekend obviously very demanding course from td green so we'll know pretty early on if he has it or he doesn't but i think at plus 450 there's certainly some value here doc the one thing i do like obviously rust what's what's like rustier than rust Uh, cobwebs you know in terms of dusting off the clubs that's one thing we worry about but I think the fact that we're going into one of the most difficult golf courses on tour is actually a better thing than if we were going to like the AT&T where you need to shoot 19 under to finish in the top 10. Right. I think realistically, you know, as long as you get it to d- double digits under par, maybe in the seven, eight under par range, that could be you know good enough for a top 20. Um, you know, even five under, we don't know how the course really is yeah. going to play. Obviously we saw it was going to be, you know, pretty soft, um, not too much wind. But from the standpoint of he doesn't need to go out there and just absolutely blitz the golf course, I think, um, you know, this is a great player. We're getting at top 20 plus 450. It kind of reminds me of, you know, when Patrick Reed's number blew up. Granted, we've seen more golf from him, but um, we're not asking for a crazy story here. And it would be a good story, right? He hasn't played a tournament in four or five months and then first tournament back finishes in the top 20. So. Anyways, for my dark horse, Harris, Harris English top 20 plus 450 fired up. Yeah, and on to uh, our lineups uh, for this week. I got, you know, two guys who uh, have won on tour this year. Hideki, who's won twice. Hideki Matsuyama, 
Uh, he's going to lead the way for my lineup. Uh, then I have Max Homa, uh, who won a few weeks ago. Uh, and then I have four guys who have just been knocking on the door all season. Uh, Shane Lowry, who I expect to win this week. Uh, Mito Pereira, who had the devastating collapse a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago at the PGA. Did recover nicely, though, last week, Led. Uh, yeah. uh, strokes gained grit at an all-time high uh, for Mito. Uh, Jason Day uh, is going to be fifth on my lineup. And then Davis Riley is going to round it out. Jason day. I can't say has, has contended a whole lot this year, but uh, I expect to get a week from him. Love it. Um, for my DraftKings lineup, I'm going to be taking Will Zalatoris, Hideki Matsuyama, Corey Connors, Abraham answer, Patrick Reed. And my caboose is going to be Joel Damon. Wow. Uh, Joel, Joel or Joel. Now, well, I think it can be whatever you want. Is is Embiid Joel or Joel? He's Joel Embiid, I'm pretty He's sure. He's also Troel. But I called a Joel. No, I called a Joel a Joel the other day and just got absolutely just, just reamed. So I'm always very careful with that now. I think um, it's Joel. I think I think the Joel is a little more, you know, it's a little more foreign. I think Joel. European, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sounds um, good. Have we thrown in the gen bets yet? Or is that we're getting to that part? Yeah, we're get we're uh yeah, we'll we'll do our degen bets right now. I'm actually going away from the PGA tour uh when it comes to my degen bet this week. Uh I'm going over to the LPGA US women's open going on um this week at Pine Needle and Annika Sorenstam makes her uh return to the US women's open. I believe it's been 10 years. Uh, she last won this event in 2006, uh, but she's 14 to one to top 10 in the tournament. And supposedly she's super dialed. Um, you know, don't I, ask me why, don't ask me why, but I think she beat like Pat Hurst in an 18 hole playoff. And 2000, it, it was 2006. I know that. Yeah. Your last that's when they still had the 18 hole playoff. So it was like pure. <laughs> so pure. They got to bring that back. I know. Um, I think they would have a good enough viewership on Monday for us open 18s. Uh, yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, she hasn't, she has not competed uh, in a, in a us women's open in 10 years. Uh, but she says the game sharp. She's been dialed in. Um, and yeah, I think she top tens. That's my degen bet. And at 14 to one, I, I got to throw some juice on this slide. Yeah. Especially if it like plays tough, like the top 10 could be like three over. I like kind of love it. You know what I mean? I love it. Like, like kind of a Tom Watson thing uh, when, yes. when Stewart Sink beat him. Yes. I, it's funny. Um, this, this is the tournament. Ultimately, ultimately, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm just throwing this out of left field. Ultimately, like it's a U.S. Open. She's won this three times. And I, I'm exactly what you just said. The conditions get tough. Um, you know, I, I think it's a great spot, you know, for Annika. And she says, you know, she waited so long because, you know, her kids were growing up. Um, you know, was, was, you know, in the midst of, of being a, a parent, uh, she's had plenty of time to practice. She says the game feels good. She's taking this extremely seriously. It's not just a, you isn't know, it a, scientifically back to that? Like women age better than men, right? Just in the sense that absolutely, I feel like, you know, you look at like a Laura Davies, like there's not, there's not many Laura Davies out on the PJ tour in the sense that, you know, they're 50 plus and they can contend potentially in an LPJ tour event. Right. Um, in that aspect of, let's say the average LPJ tour 
player hits it to 65, you know, if Annika's, you know, popping it out there at 250, it's not like she's, you know, getting, it's not, Corey Pavin's not coming out with Bryson kind of situation no. where they're like, what hole is that guy playing? And he's on the same hole kind of situation. You're exactly right. I was out at the Insperity Invitational four weeks ago. It's a Champions Tour event. And Julie Inkster and Laura Davies were there, both out driving um, uh, David Graham, out driving. I don't want to say Gary Player because he's a lot older than them. Uh, Tony, ja- out, out, out driving Tony Jacklin. Uh, mm-hmm. out driving Lee Trevino. I think you're exactly right. I do, I do think they age better than men as far as golf is concerned. One more note on the Annika 14 to one top 10, um, bet for the U S open her second U S open that she won in 96, uh, was at pine needle. Uh, wow. so she comes back to a place that she's won as well. Um, I Definitely love this got- look. I'm team Annika, just- team Annika all week this week, lad. Annika, Annika, love it. Absolutely love it. Um, my degen, I'm going to be completely on that. Where was it? Where where did you find that? Yeah, DraftKings Sportsbook. Sorry, it's Annika Sorenstam, top ten at fourteen to one on DraftKings Sportsbook for the U.S. Women's Open at Pine Needle. I'm committing to Annika, but yes, exactly what Doc said. Uh, I'm going to be on that for my degen bet. This will be all. This is our longest gen bet segment of the podcast history. Yeah. Uh, but I am going even further from the PGA Tour than Doc went. I am going to the match, and I am taking Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen over Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady plus one sixty on Fanduel. Doc, unfortunately, I don't have fan- fantasy national stats to pull from for these guys. Uh, now I I my- know I know Mahomes. The, the amount of rounds that Mahomes plays a year far exceeds, at least in the past two years. Now, obviously, Brady and Rogers a lot older, but Mahomes does play golf every day in the offseason. At Vicaro, just outside of Fort Worth. Yeah. Um, I, I know probably just absolutely just destroys Travis Kelsey when they do play, so probably big for the confidence. But my dad actually got some swings sent to him for, like, TNT is going to be, like, doing some analysis of their swings, kind of comparing and contrasting. So I got to see all their swings in slow motion. And uh, Josh Allen had by far the best swing, like a little long, but like a pure move. Um, and meanwhile, Brady has shot like a hundred. I feel like in every match he's played so far, like when he played with Tiger and Phil, he's I mean, awful. that guy, yeah. He can't so, keep like, it on the map. Yeah. Don't give me, I don't need any of those. Uh, what he tweet today? I'm bringing bubble gum and three twenty yard drives and I'm out of bubble gum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally like the oldest intimidation quote in the book from Tom. Yeah. Anyways, I'm completely in on Josh Allen and the wild card Mahomes, who seems to be good at everything he does. Former pitcher, multi-sport guy, you know, has every throw. You'd assume you have every chip, you know, probably around the greens. Um, he plays. Yeah. Little- Plus, these, and it doesn't matter if this is like Tiger versus Phil, Jordan Spieth versus Scotty Scheffler. Brooks versus Bryson. I feel like these matches have been like such a shit show that if you can get a team at plus 160, it's just auto bet, right? Because like who the hell knows how this is going to go. You get like a corn fairy guy against a, you know, a hall of famer. And it's like, it's just one round. So at plus 160, it's just, it's, it's kind of reminds me, honestly, like what I talked about, about earlier, when you get two guys in a playoff, like no one should be plus 160. These guys both, uh, you know, have, tied to win a golf tournament they're both obviously playing great if the number's that 
you know, far off, it's always some value on the underdog. And I know for a fact that, well, first off, after what you just told me uh, with Josh Allen, he saw it. I know for a fact that Patrick Mahomes can get around a golf course with one golf ball. We haven't seen a match yet where Tom Brady loses under five golf balls. <laughs> on the front nine. On the, yeah. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, was he decent? I can't even remember. I got to be honest with you. When these matches, when these matches come around, I'm completely uninterested. Aaron, yeah, probably won't be watching, but still going to hammer yeah, his back. Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, some would say that uh, rhythm runs in the family when you think of Jackson Mahomes' ability to time up those TikTok dances and stuff like that. So, you know, I'd assume Mahomes is going to be a pretty smooth swinger. Uh, I just hope we have an Andy Reid. We got to have like an Andy Reid, uh, you know, celeb, celeb shotter. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll wrap it up with this as far as the Dijon bets are concerned. I, I feel like it's going to be Allen and Mahomes versus pretty much just Rodgers. I mean, I have no reason to believe that Tom Brady <laughs> is anywhere near a halfway decent golfer. Dude, he's coming up with these like fake hole-in-one drone videos. And even when you think of that one match, like, I don't know, a year or two ago, where he hold a shot from the fairway. And everyone just like freaked out, like, oh my God, Brady's a goat, like hold a pitching wedge. Like, you know, he like backed it up and spun it into the back of the hole. Yeah, like nice eagle to get back to 11 over through 10. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like he was yeah. not playing. He was with playing your, terrible. With your last ball in the bag. Like, yeah, um, exactly. It was last ball stuff, 100%. Okay. So let's hear that. Uh, let's hear that ticket one more time. It's going to be, uh, <laughs> sorry, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Over Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady plus 160 on FanDuel. Throw the key away. On to scoring predictions. Led I 17 under was my guess for Colonial. I was way off. Did you did you beat me there? I, I assume that you I said 12. That, yeah, you crushed me. What it didn't even it finished at nine under before the playoff. Um, so good on you there, led. My guess this week from Memorial. I'm gonna go 12 under. Um, I think the leads, you know, two to three under after day one with the rain. And then I think it, uh, the scores get a little lower from there. I'm going to go 15 under par. I think, you know, with the wet conditions, potentially Thursday, Friday, these guys are so good nowadays. It's like someone throws up a 65 and then, you know, they're probably getting to 15 under if they, uh, have a round like that. So yeah, that's what I'm doing for my, uh, Score prediction, but I'll fire off best bets starting now. Uh, my best bet is Corey Connors top 20 plus 200 on DraftKings. Before a miscut at the PGA, Corey had finished 21st at the Wells Fargo, 12th at the RBC, 6th at Augusta. Tough conditions at the PGA plus an off week with the ball striking led to his early exit. This is one of the best drivers of the golf ball on tour. This man has not lost strokes off the tee since the Genesis in 2021. Doc, that stat is incredible. It's not quite Tiger's cut streak, but it's up there in terms of uh, being able to drive the golf ball. Yeah, um, shout out to Tiger, I guess, for uh, Justin Thomas' cut streak came to an end. What was it, 20 or something? And Tiger's sitting out there. What was his? Wasn't it like 150? Something stupid? Just something ridiculous. Uh, That literally will never be broken, ever. Anyways, Corey Connors, this is a guy who's shown he can finish high, even losing strokes on the greens. I kind of like that, especially for a top 20 bet. Uh, There are a couple surfaces he struggles on. Bent is not one of them. 
He's three for three in cuts made here and is due for a top 20, just the way he plays, how well his game should match up for this golf course. Uh, I had a buddy that actually qualified for the RBC Canadian Open um, a couple weeks ago. He played with Corey a couple days ago in a practice round uh, for the RBC next week. And he said Corey put on an absolute ball striking clinic. The Canadian, I think, is trying to peak for the RBC Canadian Open next week. And it starts with a good finish here. I think this number is slightly juiced off a missed cut at the PGA. So for my best bet, I'm taking Corey Connors top 20 plus 200. Absolutely love that one. Yeah, and for my best bet this week, I'm going to go Shane Lowry, top 10 plus 200 on DraftKings. Uh, you know, over the last three events, first in strokes gained uh, total. So dialed in um, from tee to green. And then as far as the putting is concerned, has been putting it wonderfully. Over the last five events, uh, it's picked up almost three shots on the field. Uh, and, and you look at how close he's been to winning. Second at the Honda, third at the Masters. Uh, third at the RBC and, uh, you know, at the PGA finished 23rd and, you know, just didn't hit the irons good enough to quite be all the way in contention, let's say inside the top 10. Uh, but I really like Shane this week. He's my pick to win. And my best bet's going to be Shane Lowry, uh, top 10 at plus 200 on DraftKings. And uh, thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next week for the RBC Canadian Open just a week before uh, the U.S. Open in Brookline, which is going to be super pure. Uh, best of luck with everyone's picks this week. Led, great job today, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, watch some golf this week. It's going to be it's a great viewing event. So uh, fire up the PJ Tour live for sure.